follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you all doing this evening? Uh, Doing good. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. What are we on in the quarantine? Is this like week six? I think it is week six. I don't know. It could be year four at this point. My sense of time is distorting. Yeah, I had to to buy a calendar for my my room where I work because I'm really bad at knowing what day it is. Uh, yeah. Because it really, it really starts to bleed together when the only difference in your day is if the alarm goes off or not. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, like I said, really distorts your sense of what's up. So, all right, thank you all for joining us. Hopefully, we're providing a little bit of um, mental health for you in the middle of all of this madness, and. Uh, you know, give you a little break from all the all the good old fashioned crazy that's going on. So, uh, we want to get our shout outs. First of all, is going to be to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbow Brand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four. Capital C and Corners, Capital P and Podcast. Save ten percent off of your order. They just ran a promotion. And brought back the uh, Falls Count Anywhere shirt by Popular Vote. So that's there. Um, hit them up. It's comfy stuff. And then, Matt, our other shout-out. <clears throat> that made Epico Cologne. Epico Cologne, a free agent uh, for whenever we actually are able to book wrestling shows <laughs> again. <laughs> um, I'm excited would- to see what happens. I would like to see Epico and Primo do some MLW stuff once they're allowed to run shows again. Hmm. Uh, you know what? The the whole the whole thing's open to them. I'm going to be real happy to see what happens. I'd like to see Tom Lawler versus Epico. That'd be probably a good match. Yeah. You could also do um the Heart Foundation. I think they're. I think. They're both still there, right? Yeah, not Teddy though, because Teddy's. Yeah, well, not know. Teddy, but I yeah. mean Brian Pillman Jr. and um and Davy Boy. I like yeah. would like seeing them versus like the Colognes, or even just Davy Boy versus Epico. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it'd be it'd be good to see. I mean, you know, heck, if things are things are kind of broken wide open now on that front, so there's lots of options. Um, see, yeah. You know, so you know what gets my goat is when we record an episode. And I just need the world to not explode for about 16 hours between recording and posting. And you would be shocked, like people at home listening, you would be shocked how many weeks we record. And in that 16 hours, 
something happens. I would say at least at least every third time we record this happens. Mm-hmm. And famously, the one that happened that pissed me off the most was Shad and I did an NWA power review and spoke nicely of it, and then Cornette had to Cornette, like, as we were recording, he had to do that. We didn't even make it through yeah. the recording before Cornette Cornetted on it. Yeah, that happened while we were recording, and then we post it, and then the whole thing comes out, and it's like, well, we, uh... I had to put a disclaimer on that one. Cause... Yeah. It's like, wow, that w- we were We were nice to that, and then this happens, so, uh... That's awkward. Yeah. But, um, yeah, given that, uh, yeah, it was, it was, since these go up on Wednesdays, given that, uh, Wednesday morning, the, the new Bloody Wednesday hit, um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, we may, I mean, we need to go ahead and talk about that. That's, that's the big thing in the, in, in this, in the wrestling world right now is Wednesday, bloody Wednesday, however we want to say it. And, um, do we know there, everyone at this point? Cause I, it came like in stages almost. At I, least. I would say there's probably still stragglers. Let me see. Let me see if I can find my compiled list. But like, I, because, I, personally, I, other than the timing, which I think that's really their biggest crime here, I had ex- been expecting a bloodletting of this proportion for a while, <clears throat> and I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought, even if Mania had gone through regular this year, like if this whole stay-at-home thing hadn't happened, I thought we were in for a bloodletting this year because their roster had just gotten so bloated, and you could see in like their earning reports where this had really affected them negatively because they because the thing that the thing that they were really running into is why are you paying gender mahal three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year why are you paying the club five hundred thousand dollars a year a piece like they had just gotten really undisciplined with what they were doing and it was all just the mm-hmm. board talent and you know they just had to do it like i think i think where they really went wrong here is you really should have just eaten it until this was over again and you could release people and they could actually work instead of just releasing people into a world with no wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that I know that, uh, on the wrestling observer, uh, radio show that Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talked a lot about this in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Dave Meltzer was, um, I think he was basically talking, talking through it as each release kind of got, publicized or like I don't know how to phrase it release like known on Twitter yeah he's kind of talking about it and he was kind of going off on the WWE I have some thoughts on that I think it is the timing is the problem because it's like they they had so much bloat in their roster they absolutely needed to get rid of people yeah like why 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 was no why was no way Jose still still employed exactly like they don't even do anything with them I guess I guess I haven't been to a, a WWE house show in so many. It's been like at least a couple years, probably. Even I though went, they have, I went mm-hmm. at the end of 2018, and I think he might have been in a battle royal. Woo! It, it's there. They have literally run shows at uh, 
the Capital One Arena, which is about a 10-minute walk from my apartment. And I just haven't gone, even though I could get, I could easily have gotten tickets for like 20 bucks. I didn't go because it's, yeah, it it didn't really, I didn't really feel a need to. A show that, like growing up, I I would have died to like go to wrestling shows. I only went to like a couple when I was younger, like a kid. And now it's like, it's literally like 10 minutes down the street from here. Walking distance, not even like I have to get in a car, like 10 minutes walking. And I was just like. Nah, no. I don't feel like it. Because the product like has, has gone down. I, I would imagine he probably was on the house show scene. But yeah, like you're not you're not getting a value out of keeping No Way Jose on the roster. Like I think he had like a figure, right? They had a, a toy of him. Oh probably. Uh so that's that's probably like that's the that's the most value you're gonna he get out of him. He'd pop up at like one of those like Saudi Arabia <laughs> clusterfuck things. Yeah. Or I think he was well, on the Rumble. Like, was he in the Rumble this year or last? Year? He was last year, I know. Because I was last like, wow, year. that dude still got a job. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need. You're not going to have him on. And he, he's a good example. But the problem, and the problem with all these people, is that you're releasing them even if they they needed to be released. You're releasing them into an environment where it's not as if they can just go sign with AEW or go start working the indies or go back to new Japan, like Gallows and Anderson might do eventually. Like they're, they're being released into a, into a climate where not only are there no shows, there's no firm idea when shows can actually start running again. I know technically I guess shows can be running in Florida, but for a lot of these small independent promotions like what are you going to do with that you can't have fans there and that if you're a if you're an independent promotion like that's where you make your money like you can't i don't know that it's it's cost effective to basically do a show and have to pay talent for that show and you're going to make up that money and make a profit uh by doing it on like selling the show on fight tv or iwtv or something like that and looking at the ratings of of the of AEW and like wwe stuff that the no crowd thing is really dragging them down it's it's really crushing them like uh both nxt and aew there on wednesday nights their audience has declined i would say probably about by a third yeah like by about a third um i I think people just even if they they want to watch the program and they like it, they just they don't they don't like the no crowd. They don't it's, like it. It, it takes you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does take you out of it, and it's kind of, it's hard to enjoy whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. I you know it, it, like up to a point, I get it, right? Like it's because you're like, well, I mean, we've got to. We're 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 trying to do something, but on the other hand, you know, God, just cut, uh, you know, cut everybody a break. Say, okay, look, we're going to um, we're going to give everybody a break till whatever this time period is, and we're going to say, okay, in this time period, you know, go home, rest up, heal up. You know, don't be hurt anymore. And when we're ready to rock again, we'll give you a call and we'll go out there and people are going to be hungry to see the product again. And, you know, we'll make some money, but we can't be having that. Or 
Or even like say, okay, here's what we're going to do. If to the, these people, you could have said like, we're going to pay you. But if, if you can get an offer from AEW or New Japan or you want to leave or you can get a stable income, you're free to go the second you can get that. But we will pay you in the interim. Yeah, I, I wish that that was something that they were doing. Well, uh, they, they fired all these people, and then like a day or two later, they announced their uh, their stock dividends for stockholders. Yeah, and I know that uh, I know that Meltzer and Brian really went off about that, where they were saying, you know, I think Dave, I don't, I, I don't know if this is accurate, but Dave allegedly crunched the numbers and claimed that all the people that were fired, the amount of money that uh, their salaries entailed overall if you because uh, that's that's the other kind of bullshit thing like they they did all this as a quote-unquote cost cutting measure or cost saving mm-hmm. measure and they're actually saving like not really that much money by firing or furloughing all these people the the, the majority of whatever savings they announced which was a few like tens of millions but it was basically like they they're I guess they're building a new uh, headquarters, and they oh, yeah. have, they have like I guess temporary postponed that they're not advancing forward with that project yet. So that's what it, that's what's pretty much like saved like the majority of the money that they're saving. So it's like oh, what you guys couldn't just have done that and then kept these people on, yeah. And then they did the stock they did the stock dividend, and and what Dave had said is that this would have funded all the people who got fired. They would have funded their salaries for like two years, which I, again, if that's accurate or not, I don't know. But yeah, but when I you're mean, getting into I, stock dividends, though, that's really some of that's really out see, of their control. Yeah, and that's something that I know. I know Meltzer's trying to make a point that you have money in the bank to to pay people, and I definitely look. If you run a company. You obviously need to protect your employees in some fashion. Like there's obviously there's there's labor and employment laws that you should be abiding by. Uh, you should try and take care of people, especially in a, situ- a really unique situation like this, where it's a pandemic. Where if you you have to realize if you fire people, you're not WWE isn't a small business with like ten employees and you're the owner. And as much as it pains you, you gotta. You got to lay off or furlough people because you can't pay them. You have no money coming in, and you don't know what you're going to do until, like, a government loan comes in. They're not in that situation. Like, they have money. Yeah. At the same time, like, if you're a publicly traded corporation, not to be all like libertarian capitalist here, it's like you, you're not obligated to lose money on a company and lose money for your stockholders. Just you're not. But Just. I will make the I will make the point to say that you're you're definitely affecting you know your your company going forward by I doing agree. stuff like this because yes. now people are just going to be like well, I ain't going to work there you know the folks who who grew up with their dream of that being where they wanted to work they're like eh, I, I ain't going to work there mm-hmm. you see how they treat people whenever it comes down to that time did you see they cut all these people right in the middle of the whole quarantine thing. And, you know, you know, all right. It, it, they had like a day's notice and there's nowhere for them to go work. 
you know, yeah, hell with that. I don't want to ever want to go there. See, yeah, well, so my thing is, my thing with Meltzer is, mm-hmm. um, I think he has the right sentiment. Like, what they did is really shitty. But the way he's gone about, like, mentioning stuff's been a little off to me. Like, the dividend for starters, but also when he and Brian were talking about that they have a cash on hand slash line of credit mm-hmm. worth half a billion dollars. Um, some of mm-hmm. that bothered me because some of that <laughs> isn't really what he's portraying it to be. Like um, the dividend stuff, I don't know how that works in their case, but that's probably some of that's out of their control. Yes. And like, it's back when people got mad when the government did the bank bailouts and um, got mad that, they had to pay out contractually obligated like bonuses and stuff. Like sometimes yeah. st- that stuff's out of their hands, so you can't really use the dividend against them because they they were obligated to pay that out. But also like when they're talking about that half a billion dollars, like they don't have half a billion dollars. That just means they can go into debt for about half a billion dollars. Like so, when you're a company, you don't want to use your lines of credit. Like you don't. Like but. You need because like so what what could happen to them though is if their um if their financial outlooks get graded worse that that affects their interest rates and stuff so the thing is they don't have that much money on hand I would actually guess they have more like maybe ninety to a hundred and fifty million which is more fair to talk about than their lines of credit because just because you have a line of credit doesn't mean you want to use it. And some yeah. of that's some of that is a in case of emergency break glass. So I don't feel like those are fair reasons to criticize them. I think it's more the ethical you should take care of your people. Like don't play this off as a family when you when times get a little tough and you you leave people behind. That's that's my problem with it. But like I said, I, I have a problem with the people that keep bringing up the dividend thing and the um and what their line of credit plus cash on hand like some of the people going off on that really don't understand how business works so those things i think should those things should exist outside of of what people are mad at them about which is that they did not take care of their people i think is what yeah the point is uh, people people kind of have a poor understanding of like economics in that way generally like for example, like I, it, it's it, we're still stuck in renovation hell, which um, <laughs> the quarantine, lockdown, Corona has not helped. It's only extended things further. But I like I own a house, and based upon like my tax value, like that house is like worth a decent amount of money. It's entirely because of the geographic area I'm in. Yeah, like it, it, the house in like in this area is worth a certain price. If if it was the same size house, same size yard everything like that in i don't know like wyoming it would be like substantially less Mm -hmm. that's just the way it is but it's like if you were to see that value and like i i mean i own it so if you were to take that value and be like well i'm you know matt's worth x amount of money it's like i guess i guess legally that on paper that might be true but it's like i don't have you're not liquid. That, you don't that yeah. much money in my bank account. It's like that I could be if I had a, a business. I'm like, well, you're worth X amount of money. It's like, yeah, if you total up all my assets, everything. That doesn't mean I have like 
like liquid assets to cover things. Yeah, that's yeah. that's um that's what pissed me off when dumbass David Starr was going on his Twitter rant about his landlord who was worth two million dollars. Uh. And it's like dumbass. He's worth that in real estate. Liquid, he's probably worth less than you. Probably. Like just because just because someone's worth like let's say someone's worth five million dollars in land, that's great. But here, here's my wallet with twenty dollars into it, in it. That's what I'm liquid right now. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I did pull a list of. I believe this is everybody who had been released. Um, there was some and then, secondary NXT ones. I'm actually surprised. It really shows their mentality, though, that I don't think anyone in NXT UK has gotten released yet, because God forbid um, that indie scene get anything. And actually, if they just let them go in NXT UK, the government would give them a fucking paycheck, but they won't let those people go, yeah. because God forbid the UK indie scene actually not be ruined yeah so uh if for anybody out there who um hasn't heard the whole list or uh you know maybe you're like ah, i've i've heard part of it if there's anything you missed i'll run down it for you very quickly and then i think we can touch on um which ones um maybe would have surprised us um so uh, Anderson Gallows, The Club, EC3, Drake Maverick, Kurt Hawkins, Leo Rush, Eric Young, Heath Slater, Kurt Angle, Aiden English, Sarah Logan, Mike Chioda, uh, Eric Rowan, Primo and Epico, Mike and Maria Kanellis, Zack Ryder, No Way Jose, Rusev, and then there are three NXTs here that are Diana Perrazzo, Alexander Jacek, uh, Jaxic and MJ Jenkins. There was a there is a greater list of NXT people that came like a day or two later, but they okay. weren't anyone of like super consequence. So the first thing I've noticed with that list is a couple of people just resigned deals like three months ago. Yeah, like Anderson Gallows did. And Leo that... Rush resigned a new deal like less than a year ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. The Gallows and Anderson thing um, was somewhat surprising only because they literally were part of the main event, uh, one of the main events of WrestleMania, the mm -hmm. 80 Styles Taker match, well, uh, the Boneyard match, which uh, someone kind of uh, quipped online and made the funny joke. It's like, well, in, in, in kayfabe terms, like they're they are now dead. <laughs> they're, they're dead in, in kayfabe uh, in the WWE Universe world because... I guess uh, you know Undertaker like buried them or threw them off a building or did something. Well, but they're, the, they're um I think they they're those big fancy new contracts that they got is what did them in because yeah they were like Vince McMahon was like well I don't want to pay, I don't want to pay these people a million dollars so they're they're done <laughs> yeah Patterson <laughs> Patterson get in here give me those contracts well I just I'm I rip them up. I bet that one I'm gonna rip them up, and then I'm gonna feed them to you. And you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna puke. puke. You're gonna puke. <laughs> I wanna see you puke. So okay, man. That was the first thing that jumped out to me. Then the second thing that jumped out to me is they they ditched a lot of malcontents and um, people that already wanted their releases. Yeah, the revival actually got released before this happened. Yeah. 
So that was not it, not a surprise, but um, I don't know. I guess it's interesting that that it didn't happen within. I I guess they just were aggravating enough that they were like, God, just get rid of them, go. And I think Rusev, by the time his ninety day ends, his contract is over. So I don't think they actually are not honoring any part of his contract. Rusev was one of these that surprised me because it's like this this is a guy like hey has gotten majorly over multiple times mm-hmm. you know he can work he's got this really good charisma especially whenever you let him kind of relax and have some fun with some stuff what why are you, I don't understand why you guys are so eager to, to be rid of I think I think I think they're I think he's different than the other ones. I think he just straight up told them, I'm not re-signing. And so they just released him because his contract's up within that 90-day window is what I've heard. So I think I think he just straight up said, I'm not re-signing with you. So it would make well, sense. To, it would make sense. In which too. case, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a shame because if you really look at what, like, I guess it's it's debatable just how good he is. I, oh, I guess we great. can see. I think um, I think he's very talented, and I think the once they they finally let him get away from the stereotypical foreign heel type of gimmick, and he started actually showing that he has real charisma and he's kind of funny. Like I thought they could have done a lot more with him, but think like, look at this. Like what f- five years ago you had him wrestle John Cena. And he, they even gave him a big entrance where he comes out in a tank. And yeah, then, he, he rode out in a freaking tank. And then they, they just completely ruined that. And, and now here he is, said like, Dave, which was massive, massively over. Yep. Like you could not get that shirt for a couple of months. But you know, God forbid that someone gets over on their own, right? No, and I think, I think, um. I think if if I was if I was Tony Khan, I'd be like, give him whatever he wants. Well, um, Arn Anderson said on his podcast that Rusev, like the 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 guy, one of the guys from the revival, told Arn the night before they got their release, they said, "There's going to be good news in the morning. You know, keep your eyes out." And then Arn's other thing was, "No, we." People need to get Rusev, get him, because he's got a huge upside. And, you know, they, you know, you you need this guy on board, like, now. Oh, do we want to, do we want to kind of brainstorm who we think is going to Well, let's, let's finish, I wanna, let's finish sure. our, our list run can real I, quick. Can I add to the Rusev and Lana thing? My wife follows, well, Lana's still there, but my wife follows exactly two wrestlers on Twitter. Do you want to guess who they are? Uh, well, given the setup, I'm going to guess that Rusev is one of them. Yes, and Lana's the other one. It's really? Yes, because because when they're together, they are so entertaining. And she loved when they got married and he's just walking around in like, like a straw hat and overalls with nothing else on. And um, his character, and she loved his character in uh, when we watched Southpaw Wrestling. He's oh, Big yeah. Bartholomew, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's staggering to me that, that that's one they, like, I'm surprised that they cut that one. Um, so, it, the, in, if, um, 
Now, the other one that I thought was stupid was Sarah Logan because she's actually talented. But, you know, mm-hmm. you got to keep the Iconics and Chelsea Green around because why not? There was rumors that the Iconics were gone, but it's been like a, almost a week later and there's been nothing more of that. So I don't know. Did if we say that happened, I would honestly be kind of surprised, but I, hell, who knows? I'm sure uh, I'm sure they could have been on the axe at one point, but then Bucky Beaver I'm sure they get was Bucky. like, they give me a chibi. Yeah. yeah. I can't do his. You, you, you can't, you can't fire them. Hang on. I let No, we can't fire them. They're, they're, they're Australian. That, that's a huge fetish. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, what else? Zach, I didn't right? think that would get the, the two that, the two that I find offensive is Drake Maverick, who has legitimately been great with the 24 seven stuff and how much could he possibly be making that you saved any money on that? Yeah, he, there's no way that he had a huge downside going. And like and he, you weren't using him for squat. Legitimately, like the only funny, the only good storyline they had last year was the fact that he couldn't fuck his wife until he won the title back. <laughs> he shot an angle at his own wedding. Yes, like that's how how bought in this guy was. And his wife was. I don't remember his wife's name, but she was legitimately great in that angle. Like the stuff she added to that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm seriously, I'm, I'm flummoxed that you take someone who's done that sort of stuff for you. And you're like, ah, no, get rid of him. They're like, this is the guy that agreed to do it, to do an angle where he wet his pants on TV. Renee, Michelle, Oh yeah, that's her. Oh okay. And then um. No, it was th- those segments were legit great. Yeah. But instead, you're like, no, no, he's too small. We gotta. That the guy is, the guy's hilarious. <laughs> there was someone on on Reddit the other day even posted it was uh, it was it was Rockstar Spud and I think Bully Ray tagging doing this bit where he was winding up the way Bully Way winds up the bionic elbow. He does kind of the hip thrust. (laughs) And I just, I I lost it watching that because he started doing the hip thrust and then he got so into it, he kept doing it and transitioning to other positions and stuff. And everybody else has just kind of stopped to watch and go, what in the hell are you doing? Uh, I thought it was hilarious, but yeah, no, no. Let's make sure we take the guy who agreed to let it to to set up for us to shoot an angle at his wedding. Let's make sure we take him uh, take him off because that's that's certainly dead weight we can't be having. And then the other one that really shocked me was Zack Ryder, just because he's been so loyal to them, mm-hmm. and like that he just wanted to work there. I guess um, Heath Slater was kind of a surprise. Yeah, he was a surprise to me too because this is the guy that they he was he was so safe in the ring that they trusted whenever they brought old legends back to do stuff. He was the guy that they trusted to go out there and do stuff with them cuz they knew no one was going to get hurt. And man, they got that that tag team with him and Rhino so over it, and I don't know how they couldn't have maintained some of that for him. Well, he did at least get to make it. Oh, he was still over every time you saw him. 
But he got he he at least got something out of it. He's got a new shirt. That that was still instead of I got kicked, I got fired. And well, <laughs> my that's still one of my favorite segments is when they go to like his trailer and Rhino's doing like the frowny faces on the crackers with like the cheese whiz. <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch that. And uh, the other one is Mike Kyoto, who's been there since 1989. Yeah, he's been there a long time. I have a. I, I, there was the rumor floating that there, a bunch of folks who were in backstage positions were getting furloughed instead of released. And I would guess that Kyoto is probably one of them. Yeah, but I mean. Still, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that I, I would guess that's where Kyoto is, um, in that. So, uh, it still, it still looks really bad. It's bad optics to have. Um, let me see. Is there anybody else that really surprised me? We got to give props to Mike and Maria Canellis because. They got signed not once but twice, had two kids, uh, got free rehab, and barely even had to work. So, you know. Yeah, but how's Lashley going to see his kid now? System. Well, he's uh, uh, he's got a new he's got a new baby mama. Well, he's not baby two. mama yet, but but uh, he's got he's got uh, he'll, he'll get by, I think. But um, you know, we've got. And, and you mentioned, oh, the Sarah Logan thing, um, the, uh, apparently a whole bunch of people went to bat for her after she got released and like raised a real stink about it. So she's a good worker. Like I, I saw her live when she was Mary Dobson a couple times and she is legitimately a great talent. Like I've seen her have good matches with absolutely dregs. Of yeah, she was she was in Shimmer for quite a quite a long time. I felt. Yeah. Yeah, she was pretty good. So way it, better than what they did with her. Well, they've got the. Uh, she was apparently even supposed to be on this last Raw, like she was at the building, but they weren't using her. And um, what was the other thing? They had Maverick in like a cruiserweight tournament that he's coming back to work or something can, like can that. Can I ask you a question? Why the fuck are people at Raw with nothing to do if um, if you're supposed to be social distancing and stuff? Have that shit figured out and not don't bring people in if you're not going to use them. You would think. But, God, I can't make heads or tails of this company sometimes, so... Um... Okay, so I'm sorry, Matt. You were saying, like, what do we dive into what we expected to happen with certain people? Yeah, I just, if we wanted to, like, uh, kind of brainstorm, like, where in theory people would wind up. So I would say, um, if, if for AEW, I would say Rusev, Sarah Logan, uh, Perrazzo. Um, probably producer-wise, I'd, I could see them bringing in Lance Storm. Um, I think Shane Helms is a definite there because he's already friends with those guys. It's a well, I think I think the producers are more furlough. Furlough. Yeah, but I think if yeah. they can get if someone's gonna offer like 
if AEW is going to come into Shane Helms and be like, hey, like, we'll start paying you now. Like, I think. I guess, I guess my question is, like, what, what are the terms of their employment? Because furlough, you're not technically fired. Yeah, but if they're not. You're, to me, though, if they're not paying <clears> you, then fuck them. You can go get another job. Yeah, I just don't know if some people would, if, in like theory, a, potentially burn a bridge. Like if my yeah. if my company furloughed me and they're not paying me, I'm gonna go get another job. Like screw them. Like to me, that means I'm fired. Like if you want to bring me back and I don't have have a job yet, that's fine. But like I'm not gonna wait around for you to decide you want to give me money again. Yeah, it would it would surprise me. I'll be honest. If if Helms did that. Because he, like from shooting interviews and stuff, seems like the kind of guy, he doesn't burn bridges. Um, he tries to stay on good terms with everybody. Yeah, but I, and I so, think for Helms, though, like all of his boys are in AEW now. Like Matt's there. You know, he's probably buds with the Bucks. I think, um, I think he would have incentive to go there. He probably would. Uh, I'll call it a coin flip then. Um, the revival, I, I wonder, like, say, would it be AEW? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or the revival and Rusev. Uh, I'd call those that pretty much a lock. Yeah, I would say Drake Maverick. I could see going back to Impact. Yeah, um, he. I guess he had a pretty good run there, so that would make sense. Yeah, um, I'd say Luke and Gallows, I'd see going back to Japan because that's their, like, gig. Maybe doing, yeah. like, Impact here and stuff, and then, like, Japan on the side. Yeah. I could see Zack Ryder doing, like, Impact. He's one you're... that I feel really bad for because so much of his identity now was tied up in this company that just treated him like garbage. I could see them giving him like an office gig too, but we'll see what happens with him. I won't lie. I will be, I'm slightly curious um, to see him in AEW just because I have this theory that he's kind of a better worker than he's given credit for. Not that he's like, you know, burning down the house and his matches, but I felt like there were, there were times he was in good matches in the WWE. And I feel like he probably could be, he, he might have some interesting matches. I mean, look, if not that he's as good as this person, but I was uh, shocked that Trent Barretta of all people turned himself into actually oh, a I, pretty good worker. I used to hate Trent until maybe three-ish years ago, and then he suddenly, like, got good. Well, I mean, he went to Japan and really yeah. busted his ass. Much like um, how Juice Robinson oh, yeah, Juice, really, I, really I thought dramatically Juice was increased. a jobber until he he suddenly, like, was great. I, and he's being loyal to New Japan, and I, I imagine, like, the, the, the style, the schedule and everything, but Juice Robinson is a guy who I think we had talked about it briefly on the podcast, like a year or two ago, when his contract was up with New Japan. Like WWE was definitely like looking to bring him back, and he's a guy who could, because of how good he's become in the ring and as good of a talker, like he could actually be a big star. 
mm-hmm. and WWE and AEW, but I don't know. I would be curious to see Zack Ryder do something. He is way younger than you might think he is, just because he's been around like in the WWE for a decade or more. I actually think he's been around like he, he was in, almost two decades. He was. Well, I mean, think about that. He was in. He was like an edge minion back in like 2008, I think, when they won the tag titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the real question is, where are they going to get their action figure money from now? True. So. <laughs> and then I think um, um, I think EC3 will go back to Impact. That. I'd I'd call that almost as close a lock as I would call the uh, revival and um, and and Rusev to AEW. And then um, I'm really blanking on the rest of the list now. Well, there's some of them I look at, and I'm just like, God, I feel bad for these guys because I don't know what's going to happen with them. I think like, Kurt okay. Hawkins will be, end up like back on the West Coast indie scene. Okay, I don't know what's going to happen with like for example, it's it. Uh, Eric Young, God, I can't believe they slept on him, but I'm not sure where he's going to go. I'm not sure where Aiden English is going to go. I would say uh, I would say um, Eric Young will go back to Impact. He might end up in AEW for like a brief stint. Uh, I don't know about Aiden English. He's a good he's a good question mark. Uh, I don't know where. It, it, here's one that it's Eric Rowan. Like uh, he he'll probably be okay because he was in you know high profile feuds and programs and stuff. But I'm still kind of like you know what's what's gonna happen there. I think you know? um, I think a secondary like I think like an all Japan or like a DDT will bring him in. Okay. Or Noah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. I don't feel he's New Japan level. No, but he's definitely. But I could see him in All Japan. Big monster Gaijin. I think some secondary. Um, I think some secondary company that can't necessarily draw in like top level talent will give him a go because he does have a unique look, and I think they will see some money in him. He, it was always weird because it felt like that he was always on the cusp of getting the pieces put together. I could, but uh, and I could see like I could see him making like that secondary indie circuit like IWA Mid South or like Game Changer Wrestling using him like if he's willing to bleed a bit. I don't know. I mean, I, I, we we've not seen him do it, so it's kind of hard to. Kind of hard to guess at it, but maybe. It, it, I guess it depends on how smart he was with his money, too, because he might just be like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need to do nothing. I'm good. Um, and... Uh, who is the other that... Uh, now, Mike and Maria are interesting because... So the problem with Mike and Maria is pretty much the only way Mike... Bennett gets employment is he's kind of a package deal with Maria, which companies want. So I could see them back in New Japan because they like her, maybe back in Ring of Honor, but um, it's going to depend on who wants Maria where Mike ends up. 
Well, you know, good for them. I guess that way they both work if they want to. And my, I'd call it 50-50 if Sarah Logan gets rehired with a mumbled apology or not. I doubt it. I think she'll end up in AEW because they need a workhorse. Uh, I could see some real one of the because she's married to one of the the Viking Raider experience 3D uh, being I mean really pissed about this and I you know who bl- who could blame him but uh, you know can you imagine doing that and then having someone who's like you know fine cut me too and they're like well we can't we're going to use you and he's like you think you are oh. Um, just because I remember now, and she's one of the names I did recognize from the secondary NXT releases, MJ Jenkins got released. I thought I said her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... I couldn't remember if you said that or not. I don't... I don't know with her, because I don't think she's necessarily ready for, like, big... Like, stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of question mark in this because it's just kind of a, and not not the good question mark. If anyone's gonna bust into a national anthem, the Monrovian. Um, uh, karate. <laughs> I also think the thing that sucks is we're talking about where we could think they end up, but like some of these secondary companies might not come back too. So, True. I think that's yeah, gonna, that's. Well, we're in this spot where we have to... The only thing we can do is assume going forward that something's going to be there. Even if we don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt. I cut you off. What were you going to say? If you are uh, owned by a large uh, company or have someone with large pocketbooks funding you and or you have a TV deal, you're probably uh, somewhat safe, but... Beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of companies. Uh, I, there was a, I think it was linked off, maybe from like the Observer, but there was a really good article for, uh, that actually Sports Illustrated did, where they interviewed some of uh, the more prominent indie workers today. I think uh-huh. they talked to, um, they talked to Danhausen, who we've mentioned before on the show. We talked, they talked to Warhorse, another guy, and the, these, those are two guys who. Uh, in terms of the independent wrestling scene, are are names like they they work a lot. They are building up quite the following. They're guys who, in theory, if in a different reality than you know, like eight weeks ago, when we didn't think we'd ever be at this point with coronavirus, and we don't know where the end is. Um, in a different world, those are two guys that I could see literally like by the end of the year being signed. By somebody, I don't know, Ring of Honor, AEW, somebody. Right. And they're not working, and they're like, well, yeah, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're trying, I think the two of them, since they have a following, are trying to, like, sell content, exclusive content on, um, like, Patreon, but, and those are two guys who, they had, they had no difficulty getting work, because they're they're hot, like, they, they have bookings, like, Warhorse, and his uh, portion of the of the article was talking about how like he worked at least three times a weekend 
Yeah. Uh, and now that's gone to nothing. I mean, Warhorse just got announced as getting a Phil Singer card for their indie card game, so that's that's the level. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah he's he's moving up, and, and he now got it's like voted into that Retro Mania game too. Yep, he has he has a following. The one I actually feel bad for that was listening to the article was uh, Shaza McKenzie. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you uh, for. I don't know if either of you are familiar with her work. Yeah, I know her from Shimmer. Yeah, she's in. She's been done Shimmer stuff. She um she's Australian. I don't. I feel like she may have popped up on. She did I don't a know. Very she's popped up. Classic, I think. Yeah, I actually think she was also. She might have been in the. Uh, the the women's battle royal, for double at double or nothing. I, I feel she like that. Was. Yeah, she was in it briefly. Um, she may or may not have done an episode of AEW Dark. I can't recall, but um, I have actually not that she would ever remember me, or I have like a detailed story. But I have met her once before because actually a Double or Nothing weekend, uh, she was hanging around with like the Observer Group uh, for periods. So I actually got to meet her. She's very nice. Uh, she came here. <laughs> Her story is awful. She she was going to be working in the United States for two months, um, trying to do as many shows as possible, uh, trying to get as much exposure as possible. I, I imagine trying to get a contract from somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had apparently like sunk her like life savings. Not that it was tens of thousands of dollars, but a few thousand dollars she had spent to come here on this trip and be working around the United States for two months. And literally, she was on the plane, and by the time she landed, like, the travel bans went into effect. Like, they basically they basically were announced while she was, like, in the air. Oh. And so she basically was like, I I can't stay here because I don't know. I can't stay here for two months because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't... I'm not going to be able to... I may not be able to get back home. So... She literally, like, basically booked a flight back home, and boom, like, all that money is lost. Yeah. Didn't get the exposure, and now there's even not even any shows running pretty much anywhere, so. Yeah. She did do, um, she did do Double or Nothing, and she did an episode of Dark as a Jobber. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought I had seen her pop up in one of the episodes. Yeah. That's kind of like what. It, it, obviously, it's not as bad, but you know, I mean, Rhea Ripley went home like right after Mania, I guess, to take a break or something, you know, because her work visa was up, and then now everything, you know, she's locked out too. So it's it's not as bad, but it still sucks. Yeah. So do we do we want to switch gears here and talk about the other news that came out this week? Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and switch. We've been we've been real happy guys on this one. Let's yeah, switch gears a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this episode's not going to get any better. So, <laughs> um, so I guess what was that? Was that Thursday? Maybe? No, it was Wednesday. Still, I think. Oh God! No, it was Thursday morning that we learned that Howard Finkel had passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. Um in the midst of all that, we we learned about uh, losing Finkel. So, did either of you get to watch the USWA promo he cut that I sent you? 
No, I meant to, and I had it saved, and uh, I I just forgot to go back to it. it um, it's him cutting a, it's him cutting a promo on Harvey Harvey Wiffleman, or as he's known in okay. Memphis, Downtown Bruno. Yeah, it was an interesting little little tidbit, but I I think um, because I told my wife and she wasn't getting it. I'm like, it was the guy that used to announce, and I did it like I. I did it over text in um, the way he would have done it. It's like, oh, I can totally hear that voice. Yeah. It was it was the iconic voice for such a long time. And I did the... So when it, when it came out, I did the... What I would consider to be his iconic call is... Um, because he has to flee in terror is the Honky Tonk Man's open challenge at SummerSlam 88. Okay. With the Fanu, yeah, because champion, because there was a certain thing with crowds at the time, and you could even see it in the eighties. Is you would kind of hear the crowd like wait for that new because it wasn't like real until the Fink gave the announcement. Oh yeah, and it wasn't official until then. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's real true. And then I watched the. Um, the the challenge that CM Punk did where he brought his own announcer and he had Finkel come out and the crowd like loses their their mind. Yeah. Which fucking Michael Cole has to ruin because it's heel Michael Cole at the time and if 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 I could if I could if I could go back in time and murder one person it would be heel Michael Cole. You hate Michael Cole so much. You're like no, I don't. Michael Scott. I, 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 I if I was if I was in a, an elevator with what Hitler and Bin Laden and Toby and with a gun with two bullets, I'd shoot Toby twice. I, 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 I barely tolerate Michael Cole when he's doing his normal stuff, but he old Michael Cole literally kept me away from the product for two years. Mm-hmm. I hate heel Michael Cole. It's. It is. He's. It is one of the most annoying things they've ever done. Well, and the problem is that if you were to say that to like Vince, he'd be like, "Oh, that means it's working." Yeah, except I didn't watch. Well, no, 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 really, really doesn't um, doesn't help because it's just pissing me off enough that I don't want to hear it. But yeah, he's but, he's a uh, he's great. Like I think um, I think most people probably that's the voice if they are doing like fake like ring announcing in their head is probably Finkel. It's the 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 whole delayed and no like that that to me is like iconic. Yeah, just I good. Yeah, just the the pregnant pause. When you're waiting for confirmation that this is this is the thing, mm-hmm. he just mil- he milks it for like half a second, and the whole building holds their breath. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say like I don't know that I have like in my head, or I don't think I don't know that I have like this preference for announcers, like ring announcers. Right. For some reason, that aspect of wrestling, it's like it hasn't mattered much to me. Uh, but I, again, I would say that that the Fink was iconic 
in that regard. I would say for, like it, he did he didn't know how to add drama to announcements like that. I'd say for me it's um it's I do have preferences like I hated Lillian Garcia. I've never liked her and I've never I don't really care for their revolving door of ring announcers they've had lately. Um and random side note though is uh I like I wish AEW would have Brandy do the ring announcing instead of Justin Roberts because she's better at it. But um, I, I, it's become like a a thing, and I think he certainly likes doing it. But to me, his whole little shtick that he does announcing John Moxley is so fucking annoying I know. to me. It's terrible. John, it's like shut up, shut up. I know. Just say his, <laughs> just say his name and move on. Like you're not. The goal isn't to get you over. That's not the goal here. Yeah, I um. So I guess the two iconic ring announcers to me are Fink and uh, Gary Michael Capetta because that was that's like my WCW shows, especially like in the late eighties, early nineties. Like he's just the voice of those shows. Yeah, I was a I was a fan of Gary Michael Capetta because, as I said before, I, when I got into wrestling, I was uh, it was early '90s WCW, mm-hmm. of which he was very prominently featured. So, yeah. And I like um, yeah, I like um, Bruce Buffer from UFC. Ah. Yeah, like his brother Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for me, that was. I first started watching it. I, I started watching it and it was WCW. I got started watching. And so for me, the, the, the Michael buffer stuff was the big deal, right? Like that's how you knew something was a big deal is it was, it was Michael buffer. And they started doing it all the time and you just kind of got used to it. But, um, the thing for me, for, for Finkel that, he was. Um, I'm. I'm. Tra- I'm wanting to make sure I pick my words right here. He was so identifiable with the company that you could not, like, you would hear, hear his voice and immediately know what you were watching without, you know, without missing a beat. So it, it was. It was a. It was a great identifier. Um, kind of a touch tone. Um, yep. Yeah, that's where I think I was going with. I'd it. agree with that. So he's up there with like he's up there with like their commentary people as far as like voices of the product. Yeah, and I loved there was. This is one one thing that why it confused me that that. Um, that the uh, the club got got released is that they were like the best guys they had for uh, you know for lack of a better term hosting backstage product like doing ride along or anything like that. But they told this story about whenever they uh, I get Gallows told the story whenever he first got started that at the time. Finkel wasn't announcing anymore, but they he had an office job, and so he was he was in charge of getting the guys their travel arrangements. And he said, "I swear to you, it sounded like he was doing it in his old announcer voice." It was like, "Mr. Gallows, 
can't be staying at her Marriott. <laughs> and, you know, we have a rental car for you. It will be a Lincoln Town car. And he said, I'm just sitting there listening to this, trying not to laugh, because it sounds like he's announcing it. And then he said, by the way, at the event, you will be facing Kane. Watch out for the choke slam. And he hangs up on him. And obviously, I'm not Luke Gallo, so I can't do the voice as well. But it that that sort of if you can hear every bit of that without you know even through my bad impression, like you can conjure the voice in your mind and hear the whole thing. And that that story's like you know that cracks me up. Just just the the very concept of it to me is amazing. Boy, I've got a talent for killing uh, discussion tonight, man. No, I don't know I what it is. I didn't really have anything else to say as far as like the Finkel thing. Yeah, yeah same. So, so do we want to well, do we want to move on to our final topic of the night? Because this is we're gonna need Shad's expertise for the next um, segment of the show. Oh, you need mm, to yes. talk about this too, don't you? Well, so. <laughs> so we have Don't worry, I will be. We haven't talked about Nia Jax being a big dumb oaf that injures people for about a year because <laughs> thankfully for everyone's health, she was injured, but she's back and I think she mm. almost injured someone in record time. I don't know if uh if Sane got hurt or not, but I believe Sane was also coming off of a concussion and so Nia went to do like a buckle bomb with her and pretty much just was totally in the wrong position and pretty much just dumped her head first onto like the bottom turnbuckle. In watching it, what happens is that Nia is going for a buckle bomb, which is a move that no one ought to be doing anymore. Stupid. And people are saying that have watched it a bunch are saying that Carrie tried to tell her like, I'm not set. And she did the move anyway. I didn't watch it closely enough to see that part, but when she goes to do this buckle bomb, she's basically too far out. She's too far away from the corner, and she does the toss, and if if you're doing a buckle bomb, then there's there's a way to do it, and there's a way to do it right. And she just kind of flings her like it's a power bomb, and that's not the way to do it right. Um, and so, yeah, she goes down and, and, you know, smacks her skull on the bottom turnbuckle, which, you know, great job there. If you, Here's the thing. If you want to do a, a buckle bomb and, and do it right, if you want to do it safely and not, I don't know, end a legend's career, Rollins, then what you do, it, it doesn't look as good, but... What you do is you bring them up, and then you go and toss them straight forward off your shoulders. You don't bring them down at all. You just toss them straight forward. So they don't fly back away from you. They just kind of go out and down to their feet so they can you know, land and protect themselves on it and still sell. But that's not what we had here. And it's, it's really... God, it's really aggravating that you have someone be so damn careless with their coworkers. You know, it, it it's there is 
Well, it's actually it, as big and strong as Nia is so much bigger and stronger than Kyrie Sane is. She could have just held her up there and took a couple more steps. Well, I I would say there is not a lot of proof that Nia Jax is that strong. So let's uh, let's say that first. But secondly. I want to point out how hypocritical she fucking is for calling out Rhonda for supposedly hurting people when she has quite the body count and then to hurt someone on such a careless move right off the bat, right after that. Mm-hmm. And use that very thing as ammo to throw at Rousey. Can I, can I ask you a question? Because I imagine it, Naya hasn't worked as many years as you have, but I'm sure like she's worked more matches. So... Yeah. When you were working, like, you would know, like, right? When you pick them up, you'd be like, ah, shit, like, I'm too far away just, like, by ring awareness. Well, there was one time that that I can remember. Uh, We'll we'll caveat that. One time that I can remember when I did a move and the guy taking it, um, we'll just say it wasn't kind to him. And it, oddly enough, it was with Alex Angel, and we were doing this. It was, it was, you know, every now and then you have a show where it feels amazing because you're just you're over like God, right? Like the building is absolutely on your side. And I did something that I had thought about doing, but I hadn't, I hadn't really done before, and I did a cartwheel kick. I put my hands down, I flipped over, because I used to be a capoeista. I guess, technically, by definition, I still am. I just don't practice anymore. But I went into a handstand and then double mule kicked him, right? And I didn't think he was close enough for me to catch him that hard, but he flew <laughs> off of it. Like, we were in the middle of the ring, and son of a bitch, he just, like, left his feet and hit... He didn't hit the bottom one. His shoulders went under the bottom one and the back of his head into the turnbuckle on the second turnbuckle across the ring from me. And I, in my head, the two thoughts went at the same time. It was, oh, shit, I hope he's okay. And then the other thought was, God, I bet that looked awesome. Uh, so I don't know what, uh, but, I, you know, immediately I go over to him and I... I I go over to him and I, I go to put my arms under you know, under his armpits to bring him up. And I'm just like, dude, are you okay? He goes, give me just a second. And I was like, shit. And it turns out he was he was fine. But still, that moment when you got that ice in the pit of your stomach, it's like, oh, no. I like working with this guy. I don't want to hurt him. Um, if that seems like that seems that seems a little different in that you you like you misjudged where he was you weren't like misjudging where an inanimate object in the ring was well it's it like i said it's the closest analog i can come up with and i i i have to say i don't like i'm telling it from my perspective and maybe the other side to it is that when i hit him with the kick he went to sell it and he jumped a little more than he should have or maybe he, he tells it, and he's like, no, you just, I mean, absolutely double-kicked me in a breadbasket and sent me sprawling. I don't know. Or, like, you I came know in a little... Like to me. Or, like, even, even like, you maybe 
you maybe had a little more spring than he was expecting and you came in harder than he was expecting he couldn't react quick enough. Like, there, there's a lot of variables. Right. But, like, what I don't understand about Naya, Naya's thing is, why didn't she go, oh, I'm way too far for this to work and have Carrie kind of wiggle out a little bit and then kind of nudge themselves over and then do the move better instead of just... Oh, I'm halfway across the ring. Ah, it'll be fine. See, I don't know. The only thing, there's only two things that I can think of that would answer that. And one of them is, this is being charitable, but one of them is that she misread the distance. Okay. But the other is that she didn't, she she's got her up in this powerbomb position and she couldn't see where she was going. Well, then why in the hell are you flinging someone where you can't see? And if you don't know where it is, wasn't that like what the, like, so this is just a question of someone that hasn't done it before. Aren't you supposed to take all of that in when you have them down before you like do the spin into your move to make sure like, okay, like I've got this. And I'm clear for launch instead of, oh, I'm blind now. Now I don't know what the hell I'm doing. When you see someone set up for like a power bomb, you notice what they do is they stand there for a second and look around. Like they, they set up for the power bomb. They put you in place. They've got you in the handy, standing head scissors and they look around for a second, right? That's doing that's. That's doing two things. Number one, that's that's building heat because the crowd's like, oh, he's going to do the deal. But the other one is you're looking and seeing where you are because you're just you stand there and you look around. You're like, no, we're good for this. This will be fine. Or it's like, no, we're not good for it. We got to like I'm going to kind of like shuffle us around or something. Or I'm going to step back and knee the guy and then turn and go into it or something like that. You, there is nothing wrong. That's part of the reason I get aggravated with the 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 go 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 like cruiserweight style stuff we see sometimes is because they're not they don't they're not taking stock of where they are right like they just into the next thing into the next thing into the next thing into the next thing it's like God bless slow down for just a second and you know let's make sure that we we know what we're doing here. The other side of that is also you know. You got to let the crowd breathe and enjoy it, because if you don't, then it's just going to be like, oh, okay, that's a bunch of stuff that happened, as opposed to being able to appreciate all the work you put into it. But I'm I'm getting beside the point. Um, the whenever you're doing something like that, obviously the other guy is trusting you in order to do it and to do it right, and and trusting that you're gonna. You know, whenever you take them up for it, that you know where you're putting them down. And you know that there's not anything that they ought not land on or something like that. Um, that's the, I think, I think if you look, because um, I remember having the thought, but I don't know if it showed up on the tape, that uh, that chain match of mine, whenever I went to Chokeslam Colby, like, I do the, the grab, and I pull him in. I remember looking down to be like, there's not chain here for him to land on, is there? Okay, no, we're good. 
Because I didn't want to take the guy and then just, you know, dump his back directly on this chain, which could, you know, I don't want to screw up his back because I'm not paying attention where I put him down. And so I, if if Naya wasn't taking proper stock, then, you know, she's not she's not paying enough attention to what's going on. And I think with her, too, is she's injured enough people now that she's lost any benefit of the doubt to for any of these well or it's become the carelessness is becoming habit yeah. and that's even worse that's that's even worse yeah because then i don't know how you correct it uh, she's slot i mean how many times does she have yeah i mean how many times does she have to to injure someone well she's wrestling royalty though so she can do that as much as she wants it's it's going to be, at some point, the only way it's going to happen is if somebody who's secure enough in their position calls her out. And it's like, you've been doing this for how long? You worked on Mania, but you did that? There's no excuse for it. And I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I don't have an idea of who it would be that would do it. But that's probably what it's going to take is someone to go, no, 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 no. You don't get to write that off as an accident. You ought to know better. You're at a point in your career where you ought to know better, and people ought to be able to trust you, and they don't. Brian Alvarez said on the Observer Radio that she's on his list of people he would not work with. I don't blame him. If if you got someone who's, who's in the habit of hurting people they get in a ring with, you ain't going to want to work with them. Screw that. God. I, I don't know what, what kind of wake-up call it's going it, to... She's, she's, she's going to have to end up like half, having to hurt a golden child in the process. I think she's just going to go on hurting people until she's her career is done. That's a happy thought. And I think we're just going to have the same blow-up every six months to a year when she does something stupid. And then they just take her off TV for long enough for people, hopefully, to forget. Well, I'm guessing. I'm guessing due to her size that she's going to have probably recurring injuries as she gets a little older. So that'll space <laughs> her out a bit. That'll solve itself. I don't say that meanly. I'm just guessing by her no. build and stuff that she's going to have some. She's going to have some problems with her legs and stuff as time goes on. Right. And she just also like um she double ACL'd herself, didn't she? I don't remember what the the injury was. Do you remember Matt? Who? What was her injury that had her off for a year? Was it a double ACL? It was at least one ACL, I yeah. believe. It could have been double one, I'm not sure. But like those are the kinds of injuries <laughs> that I think tend to lead to further injuries of those types so yeah probably her knees yeah. are already damaged and as someone that has a has a bad wheel um they never mm -hmm. you even if you get them surgically repaired like they're never they're never right ever again it's like you've got to go to like full replacement don't yeah, you yeah it's just yeah like they might be fine but then you go and you you fucking take that, you turn just wrong, and, like, suddenly your knee's like, hey, remember me? Like, in that, that 
that injury you had 20 years ago like guess what like i'm reminding you right now hey hey this isn't funny man don't don't be talking about it like that. are you oh are you, are you am i giving you horrible like flashbacks of your life right now because this is this is what i deal with uh you're 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 giving me you're giving me a preview of a couple times a week is what you're doing mine's not that bad anymore especially since i lost the weight but sometimes i go to turn and the, my knee doesn't bend properly and i've i've had a couple bad falls because of that uh, okay yeah in disclosure um you know my i'm having a hard time getting my weight under control because my thyroid screwed up mm-hmm. right like I, I may have mentioned that before i may not so i'm trying i, I keep struggling with it and I, i've got a plateau like my weight will get above it and i'll struggle with it and struggle with it and my weight will come down and it'll get to that and i'll fight with it and i'll fight with it and i'll fight with it and it won't go down anymore and then um you know it just it'll it'll hang there for a while and then something will happen uh, something stressful or i'll get like super busy at work for a period of time and it's just like you know hell with it you know i'll worry about this later and it, it creeps back up you know stuff like that it, it is the the injuries i have piled up in my body are enough that on any given day it's even odds if something is bothering me or not and part of that is just, you know, part of it, yeah, is is due to my weight. Uh, you know, yeah, I've, I'll, I'll admit, you know, that's that's part of it. I know it is. But another part of it is just due to the fact that if you're a if you're bigger than the average bear, your body's going to wear harder, faster, and you know, it's it's I I. I there was a there was a stretch where I couldn't my legs were too long to fit in the driver's seat of a certain model of Ford Explorer for God's sake. So I was going to end up with knee problems out of that regardless. Um, but you know it's it's I, I suppose it, just being b- bigger than average is is going to cause you um, is going to cause additional pain. That was a long-winded way of saying that. Sorry about that. And I think she's going to hit a point too, just um, because I think a lot of bigger wrestlers hit that. She's going to the mobility is going to go at some point, and then that's going to be interesting to see what they do with her once her mobility really starts to um, go. Mm, they might have her in the uh, the Tamina spot at that point. Oh God, Tamina is so terrible. That's you found you've actually highlighted someone who in in her own way is worse yeah. than Naya. <laughs> you realize Tamina's like yeah. you realize Shad. Do you want do you want to do you want to feel really sad right now and maybe better about yourself? Do you know Tamina's like a ten plus year veteran, and she's it explains bad. why whenever I picked her up, whenever I picked her up in UWR, um, I never got good reactions out of her segments, and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> Man. I was like, come on, this ought to work, right? I can't. I, I would I would have to think really long and hard if there is a worse wrestler with, well, no, I would I would take Giant Gonzalez over, over Tamina. Uh, are you are, are a worse wrestler with what? With her level of experience. 
uh, with her level of experience. Uh, Bulldog she has... Brown probably is about as bad, but hmm. not as bad. That's Jim Butcher, author of the Dressing Files, favorite wrestler, by the way. Well, he doesn't have good taste in wrestlers. <laughs> he's he's an old school guy, is from, man. Is he from like the Kansas City region? Uh, yes, I think okay, so. Okay, well, that explains it. That poor man uh, I... exposed the Central States wrestling. <laughs> That's something. What'd you say? I for. I want, I want to point out something regarding Tamina. Like, she has been there, I just looked it up, since at least 2010. So, like, we're, we're going on 10 years now. Uh, Randy Savage's entire WWF career was only nine years. And that was part of, part of that time was him, you know, quote-unquote retired and working as an announcer, not an active worker. Ouch. Yeah, so someone who is uh, literally an iconic wrestler, and right. uh, compare him to, to compare, compare him to Tamina, um, who's been there longer. Was only four years. Yeah, I think she was a developmental before that, wasn't she? Um, I believe so. Was was that part of the package deal that that Snuka had with Vince? Was you know, hey, take care of my daughter too. Well, I mean, they had um, his son was there for a while too. I don't know, man. It's uh, I, I I don't have a good answer for that. I just know that that. The the two of them have so much more size on the other women on the roster that, number one, they ought to be more careful. And then number two, especially with as much time as Tamina's put in, you, you just expect more. She might not be as bad as Nathan Jones. Oh, God. Nathan Jones was very, very bad. Yeah. I remember Nathan Jones' big contribution, his big WrestleMania moment, was he ran down the aisle and then started to do a jump spin kick, stopped, and then started it again to do a jump spin kick to someone who I can't exactly remember who it was. They had to edit his debut on SmackDown. They had to re-edit because he fell like on his ass like doing a spin kick. That was like the only spot, apparently, that he had... In his arsenal was that jump spin kick. The only thing I remember about him is, I guess he was he abused steroids to the point that he was lactating. Oh God, really? Yeah. Because I remember. I don't remember that. I remember one of my favorite internet jokes ever was I think back on the old Smart Marks forum was someone like, "Well, I guess they don't have to worry about catering now that they have." him around (laughs) wow you know that might have been a justin curtis line that's something he'd say that i I would not have put that past him no but man no i didn't i guess i didn't know that like i was watching at the time that's i was consciously aware of how bad nathan jones was 
I remember people being so hyped for him with like the Oz style promos. I, I do I do I do not know how that I used to hate that era though because people would get hyped for these signings and it's like and then they'd get mad at you when you when you'd be like, No, I, I've seen him wrestle before, he's not good. Hey, that was a, I think that was a stage where there were a whole bunch of people getting signed strictly off their look and the thought process being, well, we'll teach him how to work. Well, like when they signed, well, um, who was that guy from Japan they signed that, um, oh, what was it? What did they call him? Kenzo Suzuki? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's that's who he is in Japan, yeah. but when they signed he? him, um, was he just Suzuki? No. He was just Kenzo. Yeah, when they signed him, people were like excited about that, and and then they got mad, and you're like, no, I've seen him wrestle in New Japan. He sucks. And then he doesn't get over, and it's like, see, I told you, he's not good. I don't remember that at all. He was on SmackDown. You don't remember Kenzo Suzuki? Apparently he not. Was there for like three years. Yeah, he was he was Kenzo Suzuki there. He uh he formed a tag team with Rene Dupree. Who apparently is still working in just one, uh, just won the Noah Tag Team Championships. Wow! With hopefully some, he got better. Uh, I heard I've heard he both got better and is not, but it's <laughs> not much better. Wow! It really, it, um, it really depends on who, I know I've, who you're talking to with stuff like that. Because I've had people swear yeah. up and down someone's got better, and I've watched them like. They are exactly still the same mediocre talent they were before. I've heard he did get better, but I also heard that he, uh, Rene Dupree, I've heard that he, it depends upon, like, which Rene you get that night. Oh, that. There's, because I heard some rumors that, like, some guys I I heard who, who were talking about him were like, oh, yeah, he showed up, like, two, three years back to a local Canadian indie and was just drunk. He like couldn't oh, do a good match. Sad. But maybe when he's working in Japan, there's like less tolerance for that shit. Maybe he pulls it together. Yeah, they might. He's a, he's been wrestling in Japan for like years now. They might also, they might also have like infrastructure to keep him from showing up drunk too. Cause mm. I think, they, I think, I think the way like you have to bust between shows, they can keep a little more of a, Keep an eye on you. So I just did a search for him, and there's pictures of him as tag champs with Dupree. This guy has completely been memory hold for me. Like I don't, I don't remember him at all. I don't think he did legitimate. Kenzo? Yeah. Wow. I don't think he did. He didn't really. The only really memorable thing about him was like the tasteless, um, the tasteless debut like vignettes they were doing for him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like there was nothing I would say super memorable that he did. That's that makes me feel a little bit better. He um, and uh, he and Rene Dupree won the tag team titles off Kidman in London. Yeah, I remember that. <sighs> yeah, this was like mid two thousands. Yeah. The... I'm not doubting you. I'm just I completely don't remember it at all. Well, I, there was the mid two thousands were kind of like 
a black hole of it's kind of a wasteland, wasn't it? Uh, of certain things, like uh, since you mentioned like Tamina, uh, like do you remember Deuce and Domino? Yeah, I do. I do remember that Deuce was a tag team was that was there for like a hot minute. Just because Cliff I'm, Compton's I'm, like one of my favorite episodes of Colt Cabana ever, where he talks about being stuck in like Sudan with Luke Gallows. Okay, I I, I want to hear that. It's great. Look uh, it up because he talks about wrestling like the great Power Udi. Oh no, more Power Udi stories. Yes, and he's just like he's just like talking about it. He's like he pulled out like like the end of the match. Like he pulls out a red card and says you're going like a red card and says you are going down. And he's like that must have been like his people's elbow or something. He's like then he gives me the hardest headbutt of my life and pins me. Okay, uh, after we get done, I'll ask you to, to remind me to look that up because I now I definitely want to I definitely want to look that up because especially like power stories about Power Udi being awful for some reason never get old to yeah, me. Yeah, they they talk about how Luke Gallows talks him into going and wrestling for Power Udi's promotion, and then there was some civil unrest, and that's when they like were stuck there for a while. Oh, that's thanks, Luke. Yeah, and um, but Cl- Cliff, uh, who was, I think he was Domino, because Deuce was uh-huh. Snooka's. Yeah, but um, okay. Cliff Compton's really fun just because he's a loudmouth and he tells a good story, so you'll you'll enjoy it. See, I didn't mind like Deuce and Domino. I didn't mind at all. It was. I thought it was kind of a fun throwback to like the, the more, for lack of a better term, cartoony gimmicks kind of thing. Like it was. A, it, it didn't bother me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, well, that's that's what we're getting here. The thing that did bother me is I remembered that like they had a valet named Cherry, and there was an angle where. Because she was supposed to be involved with one of the two of them. I can't remember which one. I think Deuce. And they, like, got video of her sneaking out of Batista's dressing room. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are are you seriously doing, like, is this seriously the angle you're running? Because it, it, this, this doesn't seem to have, it, like, it makes everybody in this angle look like you know, the, everybody in this angle looks like a bad person. Like, do you do you, this is how much of a memory hole the mid two thousands are? Do you remember that they briefly brought back a minis division and had Super Porky on the roster for a while? Yes. You just used a sequence of words that I'm sure are supposed to mean something, but when put in that sequence, I have no meaning for it. Okay, we're gonna have to do an episode on Super Porky just to um... wait. Look him up. Look, Google Super Porky right have now. Have you never, Chad? Have you never seen Super Porky before? I, I I'm gonna blame this on the concussions. Uh, the funny thing is that he's good. Actually, kind of legendary as a luchador. Yeah, look him up. Uh, he's part of a fair. Huh? Yeah, Chad, Google Super Porky right now because you won't regret it. Well, you will, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's part of a famous wrestling family of luchadors. Okay. And he's actually like not he's actually talented. Yeah, the 
It's like Brazil de Plata, I think. The, like the, the, Brazo. Yeah, Brazo. Brazo de Plata. Yeah, the de Plata family. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see pictures here. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's, there's. When you guys were describing this, the, the thought that ran through my head is like. Oh my lord! Did somebody actually run a Porky Pig gimmick? No, he does. He does. Um, in, but, in, in um, CMLL, he does from time to time come out to the Looney Tunes music. Well, I thought what I thought I was going to see was like flesh-colored, like Aaron Stevens-style tights with like the Porky Pig shirt no, on or no. something. But <laughs> for those who are not familiar with Praza de Plata, uh, Super Porky. Imagine Bash and Booger, but with hair and as a small uh, Mexican luchador man. And very over. <laughs> and that's, yeah. And, and that's super porky. He's, he's, I remember like back in the day when I watched CMLL, he, w- he would be f- uh, frequently featured. He would have matches like every, at least every well, other week. I, and I, he was fun. I used to love it because I just wanted, because. I loved his matches just because the CMLL play-by-play guy would be like, Super Porky! Super, super Porky! I can't, yeah, I can't you get so excited. I know. Oh, I... Super Porky! Yes. porky. No, we're gonna... We're, he, like, they were fun, but... A tres caídas! But he's so ridiculous, but he's actually, like, he actually moves really well. Yeah. But yeah, he was briefly in he, WWE. For like, I, I think they literally abandoned that after like a month. Yeah, I think the only thing I remember him doing is he was eating like a whole like turkey in Stephanie's office on her desk one day or something. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the only thing I remember him doing. It might have been Teddy Long's desk by that point, but I remember him like sitting and eating something, and that's my only memory of him there. Man, so. Before all this happened, we were actually going to do an episode on the 2000s because of, like, the fact that we don't talk about the 2000s much, and they really are just, like, a black hole of, like, memory. Well, I guess we have we have more uh, more reason to do that now. Yeah, I, I need to go back and visit some... Not watch it, because mid-2000s WWE just makes me sad. But... Uh... It, you mean you didn't want to see John Cena versus Randy Orton for the last time? We swear it's real this time. I, I take that back. SmackDown was actually good for most of the 2000s, especially like when they had Eminem and Dave Taylor came back, and you had Steve Regal and Dave Taylor tagging, and um, Fit Finley was doing. Was that the um, was that the uh, uh, SmackDown Six era? No, that was after. There was this. There was this brief era where SmackDown got this awesome tag team division where they had Eminem, Regal, and Taylor. I think Kendrick and London, and then um, Charlie Haas and Hardcore Holly teamed for like three months and were like awesome. I forgot that. Like legitimately, <sighs> Haas and Holly were like a great tag team that's forgotten. And they had these great matches with Eminem. And then I... Like, okay. I remember that team. I remember Eminem. Um, I think um, I think um, Murdoch and Cade might have been kicking around about this time on SmackDown. 
I remember Caden Murdoch. And I think this is when I JBL re- was doing his first stint as a commentator and was just awesome. With JBL, he would have just just quit in ring stuff, wouldn't yeah. he? Like just then. Yeah, this would probably be about uh, this would be about 2006, I bet, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe bleeding into 2007 a bit. Okay. It's probably 2006 because I think ECW was was around in 2007. Uh, well. No, because JBL was kind of active when some of the ECW stuff was going on. Because he had his box seat argument with like the ECW guys. I think, he, I think he retired to commentary and then came back. Okay, that would make more sense. You got me desperately trying to cobble together these tattered remains of my memory from that I period I it's, it's a, concerning i don't me. have a good memory of this era either but it's not it's not particularly memorable to be honest i was gonna say yeah it's it's kind of scaring me to try and 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 go back and and remember stuff from there and coming up well, like even like um nunzio i barely remember that he was with the company for like six years didn't I remember he got like murdered at a Royal Rumble? I think. I think he did. I can't remember the perpetrator, but there was someone just turned the poor guy inside well, out. The fact that like Funaki had like a, it was there for like a decade. Yeah, uh, Funaki was SmackDown's number one announcer. Yeah. Yes. Funaki. Yes. Or um, Jimmy Win Wang something or uh, what the Jimmy Wang Jimmy Yang. Jimmy Wang Yeah, I can I can never say that. Yeah. Oh god, that fucking gimmick! <laughs> That's a pretty terrible gimmick. He was so good too. Like, God, why couldn't a better company have had him? I'm. I I'm gonna say this, but I'm I'm. Grain of salt. It was like, hey, WCW did have him. Well, he was good there. He, I like. He was a member of the Dragon, uh, the Young Dragons, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, they were fun. Actually, I, I the other day, um, I don't remember how it came up, but I was telling my wife about something from that. I was telling her uh, it was some something about how Shane Helms went from being Sugar Shane Helms to the Hurricane. And I said, no, no, no. He started out in a wrestling boy band called Three Count. And they feuded with the Young Dragons. And and she was like, wait, a wrestling boy band? I said, yeah. They'd come out to the ring and they'd, they'd have the... They'd have the spotlights overhead and the microphones on their on their ears, and they dance and they lip sync and for, everything. You're forgetting the the like little dot boards that they would dance on. I, I did forget and, the dot board. And Tank Abbott was their number one fan. Yes, which to me I thought was just an amazing use of Tank Abbott. I think Jimmy Hart actually composed their boy band song too. Yeah, because you—I think you told us a few after uh, a while back that he was—he uh, had kind of been in a boy band. Yeah, he was in I the think. the Gentries that were a one-hit wonder. There is—he actually has a movie appearance with them. Because it was one of those. Because I guess 
I guess to the younger fans, it used to be a thing in the the fifties and the sixties to do like beach party movies, and they would bring in like uh, I guess what you would call a pop culture band to play like a song in the middle of the movie or something. That was part of the draw of the movie was was like, you know, which which band is going to be playing as part of this? But they, cause um, okay, I can do this. Uh, Bobby Boris Johnson, the guy who did the Monster Mash, was in one of them as part of a band, and the name of the movie movie was "It's a Bikini World." Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, he was now, he was in one of those. Yeah, I like. I'm all excited that I remembered that, and now I'm like uh, a little ashamed that I was able to. <laughs> That do you up. ever do you ever wonder what what poor brain cell you murdered and what superior memory you could have if you didn't remember dumb shit like that? Like sometimes I wonder. Well, I, sometimes I wonder what I could do if I didn't remember like Spider Man's origin story. You just go learn Spider Man Spider Man's origin story. Oh well, yeah, I know. Or <laughs> if I didn't remember shit like Tank Abbott like yelling at three count. I could probably use those brain cells better. That's a um, that that's actually an old Scrubs joke. Was Doctor Cox looks at somebody and he's like, "No, no, no, you right there, you talking about that? I only have a finite amount of space in my brain, and you talking about that has just deleted something. Miracle on Ice gone. I only have this much space left. That's it. If you can't fit it in this much space, I don't want to hear about it today." Like, thank God for cell phones, because I'm, I'm terrible at remembering phone numbers, but I still know all the secrets to Super Mario Brothers 1, because, you know, you got to remember the important stuff in my <laughs> life. Not who to call in a fucking life-threatening emergency. <laughs> oh, God, it's funny, because it's true. Um... Now, I, I know exactly why I remember this Bobby Boris Pickett. I know exactly why I remember that is there's a and and we're getting way into the weeds. So we'll probably wrap up soon. But there's a, I'm going to give an unsolicited plug. There's a guy on YouTube. His his channel is called Todd in the Shadows, and he does music reviews. And he has a series called One Hit Wonderland where he goes through and, and talks about artists that are known for only one song. And he talks about. Bobby Pickett, um, who incidentally is not actually a one-hit wonder. He charted with another one that was called Graduation Day at some point later in his career. But um, there's stuff like I I learned goofy stuff like he had written a musical inspired by the Monster Mash that the original title was uh, I'm sorry you'll have to stay for the night the bridge is out or something like people go to a, a, a Halloween party and it turns out that Dracula is hosting it but the uh, the bridge that goes up to the house you know is uh, the water's flowing over the top of it so nobody can leave and it's a musical what the hell um, but it I, I enjoy that that channel because it's for me it's fun to watch and and I get to sit there and go, oh, I remember that. 
And I feel a little bit better about myself because I do remember that. Do you guys have a, just to go into the music realm for a minute, I, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm really bad with music. Do you guys have any favorite one-hit wonders? Oh, wow. I have to really try and think. I do. I mean, other... Uh, the one I'm going to answer with is not my... my it's not, quote-unquote, the best. Uh, it is the... Um, what I'm going to say is that it's the uh, when I think one hit wonder. This is what comes to mind. It was a song from the like '96 '97 era by it, it was called "Save Tonight" by Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, that's a good choice. I remember that one. That mm. was that was a big song at the time. It was huge, and the thing that makes it stick out to me was because uh, in the course of the music video. If we got younger listeners out there, a music video is when they would make a video with the song playing over it to promote the song, so you'd go get it. But um, he kept, like, there's this storyline over the course of it, and and the, the players in the story, it would keep changing. Like, it would reveal that it was him over and over and over again, what it had to do with the song, hell, I don't know, but that's music videos for you. And at one point, the director wanted to, like, put him in drag, and he was like, um, how about we wait for my next song to do that? Guess what never happened? So that's why I remember that one so clearly. And also, I thought it was a pretty good song. But yeah, that song's decent. <clears throat> it's very, um, if, if I hear that song, it very, there's, um, there's a couple songs that take me to specific moments in my life. That's one of them. Also, Kiss by a Rose from Seal takes me back to that summer Batman Returns come, came out because of um, <laughs> how fucking much I heard that song that summer. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as an aside, this, this has nothing to do with anything, but Eagle Eye Cherry, he has... Um, his niece is like an up and coming British pop singer. Oh, really? Yeah, um, her name is he, her name is Mabel, and she actually has like, like legit like top twenty. If he hit, was hits right now, if he was British, then he probably had hits uh, in Great Britain that never crossed over the pond. But he's apparently Swedish. Sweet. Oh, well, that's even. Yeah, there's a whole episode on um, Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks and 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 um, Scatman by Scatman John. I remember Scatman for two things. One, they were on Beavis. He was on Beavis and Butthead, and Beavis was like freaking out for that. And also, that was the song that played when that Wow Guild uh, crashed that wedding and killed everyone. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite videos of all time. But I really dated myself because that video is like probably 15 years old now. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I got one. Yeah. Because uh, if we're talking about bands that actually were big in their respective countries, but are basically one hit wonders like in the United States, like to me, like aha, take on oh, me. That's a good like one. that song that's a good one. is yeah. like a, a quintessential 1980s song. And they I mean, it still gets played today and they apparently were like really, really big in wherever they were from. Now 
you want like, to hear had a lot of success. Like I think they still do music today, but you only know them from that one song. I I, I have to look up the name. Who did um do host because they would count, wouldn't they? Even oh Rammstein. Because yeah, because yeah. I've seen some of their other songs and some of their music videos are really fucked up. I mean, I wouldn't call them a one-hit wonder. In America, they are. Uh, uh, no, I mean, they have a following. It, it's just that it, unless you were like into that type of music, you're not you're not really like a knowledgeable. Yeah, them. that's true. Yeah. Um, How about uh, I actually Wumba. like the lead singer of Rob? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's on that's on his uh, that's on his list. He's done. He's covered that. So. Uh, it, there you go. If it, in your quarantine, if you need something to fill some time, one hit Wonderland playlist is something like, like, um, let's see. I think it's like seventy-eight videos. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Matt, we're, it, yeah. What are you gonna say about the lead singer of uh, Ramstein? Ramstein. Yeah. I, yeah, you really got you gotta like. Well, he's also like West Germans. I'm going like, like West young Germans. You gotta, you really gotta roll your eyes. Rammstein. I'm going like Frank. Well, you can if you listen to Frankenstein with it. <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Um. The lead singer, I think, tested positive and was treated for coronavirus. Uh, that sucks. I think I saw. I think he actually like. Uh, he might have had to be hospitalized. I don't know. I he. I I heard he was sick, and it was like that's. Random. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, is a great song. I, I'm always weird at you... when they play it at, at um, it because they play it like at our hockey games. It's it's a dark, like violent song. If you actually listen to yeah. it, it's very it's, aggressive. It's what you hate me. No, it's I fucking hate I, you. Like... Yeah, there's there's a translated yeah. version. Oh, we just listen. I hear it rocks. It's like really. Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting here headbanging to it a little bit. Because I'm not. The... I want to try and get to like the. Uh... The chorus part. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Oh, wait. This is just more of the guitar. <laughs> and now we're just playing German death metal. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But if you, because they're like West German, and if you listen to them, like when they're doing the, the court, wow, it's just like a, it's long, it's long, it takes a while to get to the point. Oh, here it's, you can listen to them like roll the R's, which is like an uh, Eastern German thing. (laughs) Nine. <laughs> if I have ever heard a piece of music and gone, that sounds German. That's it, yeah. right there. Yeah, that's. The thing, I've actually been to Germany, and it's a just a. It sounds like a. It's just a very harsh, like guttural language. Yeah, I don't. I I have a friend who has lived there. He's in the military. He actually is going to be stationed over there again later this year, and he he learned it. And I'm like, how the hell can you learn this language? One of the things that they do that is less common with more of the romance languages and the Germanic languages. Like they take words and basically just crash them together mm-hmm. to form like one big giant word with a lot of consonants. I never, and it needs like the same thing, but 
And everyone sound if they if you ever like let's talk to a German, it they sound like imposing I, and, and terrifying. I, and they could be like, Hi, I'm very happy to meet you. I hope you have a wonderful day. And it's like <laughs> and it's like, Whoa, I'm really scared right now. Here's my wallet, leave me alone. Some yeah. of that, some of that, um, sometimes I wonder if I have that reaction to it because if you've watched some Hitler speeches and he starts like going on his rant, like the language yeah. really like accentuates that. So when you hear someone kind of like talking like that, you're like, but I, I actually in junior high, like the school I went to, um, you were supposed to take like a foreign language in high school. So they exposed you to Spanish and German. And I never could mm-hmm. quite grasp German very well, so I ended up in Spanish because for some reason that worked better with my brain. But I never, I had trouble with German. It just didn't, it didn't work with my brain as well. I don't know why. That's really weird. I, I, I find it very difficult. Spanish is very, um, Spanish makes sense to me. German did not. Yeah, because like Spanish and English and also like French are actually pretty similar. Uh, I mean, they're all romance languages. They all kind of English. English. I thought English was Germanic. Oh, is it English? Yeah. When you start learning other languages, you realize like English is like really fucked up and like does everything backwards. So then you, you kind of, so where, where you get screwed up with other languages is, other languages tend to do verb noun and then English does noun verb. So it, it screws with your brain mm-hmm. really bad when you're trying to learn a foreign language because it's all backwards to what you're used to. Mm. And, um, English, uh, English is the kind of language that assaults other languages in back alleys and goes through their pockets for verbs. Yeah, and, and the other problem is sad. You're correct. <laughs> you're, no, you're well, yes, you're correct. In many yeah, respects, and, but you're correct. It's, it's English is apparently a West Germanic Language. And the other the other problem you run into with other languages is other languages are more to the point like they they gender things and um, they use less words than English does. So like we might use three words to say something and then like in Spanish you might just have a word for that. And then that screws with your brain because you're like but like where's the, like the, the the and the a and it's like oh no you just say this. And I'm like okay. Like this is oh. um th- this is just like a, a personal like thing that I find funny because I, I studied Spanish even though like I've lost a lot of my life vocabulary oh, I, but there was a point in my life where I could read at like a I could read and speak <laughs> at a pretty high level of Spanish um, but I've lost all that because if, I stopped practicing it if I read it I can kind of get the gist that if I hear it spoken slowly I can maybe and I can't really converse but I can maybe kind of muddle through some things but I love it uh, and nowadays in our culture there's a lot of heightened sensitivity to like racial things um i just love how occasionally people who don't really understand spanish uh something will be described in spanish and it will be uh they'll be talking about uh a color mm-hmm. <laughs> and it it may be like black which in in spanish is negra mm-hmm and people get super offended. Like, do you think they're they're talking about like race? 
No, no. Yeah, that's, like that's... they're thinking you're using the bad word, and it's like, no, that's that's literally saying the color, the word black. Yeah, the color. They're literally describing a color. Well, there's even there's even wrestlers that that have that as part of their name. Negro yeah. Casas. Yeah, and Abismo yeah. Negro. Oh, Abismo Negro. Well, yeah, he's dead now. I think. He's dead now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy conversation all night long. Negro Costas is awesome, though. We should do an episode on him. Is he still working? Oh, he's, he's still good, there. too. Really? Yes. So he's basically not Mil Mascaras, who... <laughs> no. Mil Mascaras is never good unless he worked with Destroyer. And the only reason yeah. those matches are good is because the Destroyer is awesome. Oh, Destroyer is awesome. We should definitely watch some of his matches. Oh, I love it. And especially, like... Have you ever seen the, the, the video of him commentating of him wrestling a bear? And at the end, he's pissed off that the bear got a Coke. And he's like, that bear doesn't deserve a Coke. He got disqualified. <laughs> he didn't win the match. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, that's I love that's the Destroyer. But yeah, um, yeah, I just... German didn't work for me. I, I, I enjoyed Spanish, but, you know, if you don't keep up with it, you don't remember anything. Yeah. So yeah, that was five years of schooling that I flushed down the toilet because I didn't keep up with it. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. Like I took five years worth of Spanish. Uh, I I I think that my comprehension is just too hillbilly to be able to hang on to it. They um well like uh, I'll just throw it out there. I they when I was in college, the Spanish department was trying to get me to go to a foreign. Well, to a Spanish-speaking country to study for half a year because they thought I, I that was my aptitude level at the time, and they thought I would actually become. Well, that's really good. It. Yeah, and I, I flushed it all down the toilet because I suck. So. <laughs> you would think I. Well, it's important to own it. Yeah. You would think I would be better at or, or try and relearn Spanish since my in-laws actually that's their first language. You would think that I would try and learn <laughs> relearn it's, it's it but... you can just smile and shrug yeah, but, right but i've tried that stuff as an adult in like my br- like when you've tried to learn as an adult versus like a teenager like your brain is so much less pliable like it is so much hard so much harder to learn that true shit. like you just don't have the capacity so the, anymore there's a language switch that happens the supposedly somewhere in six seven years old that like up until that point you pick up languages very easily but after that point um it, it's very very difficult to pick up new language I, stuff i also didn't realize because someone told my wife that because they're from like ukraine or something but they don't have an accent i guess if you migrate before a certain age and learn a new language you won't have the accent but if you learn it afterwards you'll have the accent hmm interesting but i think that gets americanized because like my grandmother lived here is from from england and um by the end of her life she didn't really have the accent but people were like oh i love your grandmother's british accent i'm like she has an accent like okay you just you don't you don't know if if that's all you that's how she talks yeah if it's all you know like you don't your brain doesn't pick up on it because my fam my, my parents were both from like the deep south and to me, like just how they talk. I, I I heard their voice my entire life, so it was like, well, that's just how they talk. Like I I don't, I didn't perceive an accent. 
And then, you know, people would meet them and be like, wow, I didn't realize your parents were so Southern. And it's like, oh, I guess, I guess. Like, I just didn't, it didn't register. Well, I guess she had gotten Americanized, though, because my wife met her when we were dating. And um, she was like, oh, like, she really didn't have that much of a British accent until she told your mom she wanted tea. Then she sounded very British, which was, you know, (laughs) funny. Uh, just slipping back into the old mannerisms. Yeah, but, you know, you lose, like, the slang and stuff. And I think, like, you just – because, like, we we um, we um base a lot of our speech on hearing others. So I'm wondering yeah. if – I'm wondering if being in a different environment for so long does affect your accent over time. Or you just get used to hearing other people's, yeah. too. But there's, um, there's a, a woman that is in the same – in, in the same cosplay group as me, who I guess her family came to the States from Great Britain, from England, like when she was about 10 or so. And you can never predict when her accent is going to like slip in or out of focus. It just, it, every now and then, sometimes it's just like, bam, there's the accent. And it's like, whoa, okay, didn't, what, didn't see that coming, but here we are. So... Well, we went way into the weeds in this one. We did. You know what? <clears throat> I think we can go ahead and put a cap on this one. Yes. Uh, so next week. We want to say thank you. Next week, we're doing 2000s because that is what we had planned to do this week. All right. We want to say thank you, everybody, for joining us. We would like to hear from you. Um, God, what, you know. Do you agree with us on on what we our opinion on some of the cuts? Do you think you know were were some were there other people that that needed to go that you're of the opinions like well why are they still there or anything like that? Hit us up on social media. We would love to hear from if you. If you're fluent in another language, I would be fascinated to know what languages you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll we'll catch you guys next time.